I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. The boys got up. They made me holiday. I mean, interesting game. Interesting game. I feel like we were, to a degree, vindicated in the sense that they need more time playing together. They need more time playing together. I thought Cleary was quite quiet in the first half. I thought his second half was he started to realize that, you know, we need to get it to the edges here. I feel like the New Zealand forward pack probably won the battle there. We kind of knew this going in. We all kind of rated New Zealand's forward pack better than Australia's, but we thought Australia's outside backs were better than New Zealand's. So I, I really like the fact that Munster and, and Cleary identified that, started spreading the ball, hitting their edges to take away from that forward pack dominance. Um, now, there were a lot of people talking negatively about Cleary, like he had a terrible game. I disagree. I think that he took matters into his own hands and changed his game. I think if Cleary plays this game two years ago, he just sticks to the plan and we probably get beaten. I think the more mature Cleary realized I can't play the way I usually play. So let me run the ball more. Let me try to make some uh, line breaks, some tackle breaks. He had a, quite a few line break assists. Um, in saying all of that, there wasn't any specific one player that really stood out to me for Australia. I thought Liam Martin was a dog. He's a motherfucker and I love that shit. I thought he was probably our best um in regards to consistent across the whole match. Uh, look, I love Jackie Whiten. I've got to say, I want to say something about Jackie Whiten. I, a few years ago, I didn't get it. I thought he was a good NRL player, but I didn't get the raps he's got. Even when he got a bit, he got selected for origin initially, I was like, I don't know if I see it. I don't know if I see it. And then every time I watch him, outside of like one or two games or whatever, I start to realize that it's because I'm trying to pigeonhole Jackie Whiten into a position and say, how does he compare to other three, sixes, ones? Instead of saying, how important is he to a rugby league side? He's got to be in a 17. It doesn't matter where you put him, you fucking get him on that field. Um, Latrell Mitchell, although he had, I think, like one or two errors, some of his big plays in defense, seriously, 
like he had that. So he had that initial drop ball from the crossfield kick, which is understandable because you you don't know whether you're the one that's supposed to race in or Ado Car is the one that's going to race in across. But after that, he caught every single ball, and some of his defensive reads literally won us the match. If we don't have a big, big body like Latrell Mitchell sitting in that centers just chopping blokes, I, I think that we get a few tries scored on us. Um, some of his towards the end there, like when he hit the afterburners on an out ball and then he flicked the ball back in. Uh, like that sight, when he explodes, it doesn't matter how many times you see the great Trelly Mitt explode, it's still shocking to see a bloke that big move like that. It's shocking. Um, Bala Fox, what a try. We t- I mean, last week we talked about how, yes, okay, you could argue the modern winger is big, makes heaps of metres, does all the tough carries. I would argue Adokar does the tough carries. Is he as good as like a Toto in the tough carries? No. But what did he need? to make a crucial play in the game. It was speed and finishing. Without that try, obviously we don't win it. Um, boys, give me a thought. Australia versus New Zealand. Mate, just on that Josh Adokar try, like when he scored it, I straight away thought, oh, fullback and winger must have been out of position. Mm. Went back and watch it. Weren't that far out of position. It was just a perfect kick and just the yeah. fastest guy on the field. Like he, he never dropped from top pace that entire time, Josh Adokar. It's... Like, there's certain moments where there's only one guy that could have possibly done that. And I think he's the only guy that could have done it in that moment. You mentioned Jack White, mate. I mean, like, we, we always see him playing down the left edge. That right foot step that he showed us the other day, we don't see enough of that. That was sensational. I also thought early in the game, it was sort of forgotten, but some of his, his cover defence, they made a number of breaks down that edge. Like, Dylan Brown was really worrying them down that edge. And some of the tackles that Jack White made... <coughs> Especially on the other side of the park that he usually plays on, I, I thought he was sensational. I can see you're jumping out of your skin to comment about Jackie Boyce. So I'll hand over to you. It wasn't just Jackie; it was just the amount of uh, Raiders love that's been on this podcast so far. <laughs> I was really enjoying it for a change. So uh, he was, and and the game itself, it, it was interesting. It was like the first twenty, the Kiwis just turned up. They were so good in defence. They were whacking us. Their line speed was exceptional. Uh, I think we're probably somewhat fortunate to have that. The Fox trial, which was dead set poetry in mm. motion, but you're sort of sitting there going, geez, we're lucky that it is six all or whatever it was at the time. Um, I thought, you know, even going into half time, I was very concerned. I thought the Kiwis had the better first half. A lot of their game plan was off the back of, all right, <coughs> the Aussies maybe have a bit of a class edge on us, uh, particularly, you know, maybe a little bit more clinical in attack. But we've got size, we've got brute force, let's get this second phase play going. And they had something like 13 offloads in the first 33 minutes and Gio was doing some damage to us. I thought going into the second half, maybe they protected their lead a little bit too much. They had a few key errors, particularly in the back end of the game, but I thought they were protecting protecting their lead. I think they finished up with 16 offloads, so it might have been three offloads in the last 45 minutes or so. Now, conditions and plenty of different things might have contributed to that, but, yeah, it was just a fantastic game of footy. And, Kempi, you touched on him, but the one for me who... Credit to Mal on what I wanted from the 17 to be selected for the game. I was very happy with it. Probably the one from the start of the World Cup that I was a little bit like... Don't know if he's worthy of being in the starting team, and that's Liam Martin. He was outstanding in this game of footy. I knew he was reliable and would do a job and whatnot, but he was the enforcer for us and he whacked, I think, Big Nelson off for Solomona. He whacked one of the other, uh, I might have been 
Fisher Harris. Fisher Harris yep. as well in the space of a couple of minutes. He just set the tone for us at a time when the Kiwis were on top of us and they were dishing out all the damage. And uh, Liam Martin, he was given man of the match um, uh, on the game day and I thought he was the... I don't know if you say it was the difference, but he was my man of the match by a mile. It was a classic game for Liam Martin. I think Latrell Mitchell said it after the game. He said there wasn't much ru- rugby league play. It was just whoever's mm. going to hold the ball and whoever's going to last the longest. And you know, if you want someone in the trenches with you, yeah. it's Liam Martin every day of the week. I, I thought, you know, obviously in that grand final, he had a great performance. We spoke with three of us, spoke about it that day. But great to see him get some recognition on a big stage like that. Just show how good he is. And, you know, I think if you would have asked at the start of the World Cup, does Cam Murray start or does Liam Martin start? I don't think anyone would have said Liam Martin. But, fuck, I, I think he justified it there the other day. Who, who has gas in the tank well, the last couple of minutes, um, you know, playing off the bench, Cam Murray for the, the match-winning try. Yeah. You know, both of those decisions straight away go, well, he's nailed that, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, I spoke about last week where I said I didn't. I wanted Cam Murray on that edge. And then I saw what Mal was trying to do. I, I saw the fact that Liam Martin is an edge player, whereas Cam Murray, he speed around the ruck. Mal's using him in a very specific way. And we know via, like, Cam Murray does a great job on the edge for New South Wales defensively. He just shores everything up. But we know at club level, when they did move him out to the edge, they lost the impact that he had in the middle. And so I think it's whoever made that decision, whether it was Mal or whoever, I mean, it had to be Mal, he's a head coach. That, that's almost a masterstroke. Like, how often do you see a coach's decision dictate the result of a game? To keep Cam Murray on the bench, who arguably you could say was coming into better form than any other 13 in the comp coming into the World Cup, um, to keep him on the bench instead of the edge, even though he plays the edge for New South Wales, and then he comes on, and okay, they got a penalty for a bit of push and shove, whatever, then immediately gets the ball, and, and his speed and quick play the balls and his try are game-defining. So the coaching staff deserve a lot of credit for that. And credit to Mal on that one. I want to pose a question to both of you. Why on earth did it take us 55 minutes to see Tino? Yeah, that's, it was an interesting one. I think maybe age, experience, I'm not sure, because I thought he was quite good when he came on Tino. He played 14 uh, minutes. Well, I think he's our best front row. I really do. He was very I, good when he came on. I, I'm, well, I was t- very surprised it took so long. Well, the tough thing is, is like Paddy comes on and fucking kills it. Mm. So, like, I think they, they try to give Paddy as much time as, as he can get. Because, like, Paddy came on last game, killed it. This game he came on and in, you know, he ran for 100 metres, um, 25 tackles. So, he gets through so much work that I wonder whether, because you've got a Jake Trebojevic in the side and a Patrick Carrigan, maybe they eat up the minutes for a, a guy like Tino um, because you've got Jake Trevojevic that plays for about 42 minutes, which is unders for him. Then you've got, uh, you've got obviously Paddy who can play really long minutes. So I think it might be just, uh, yeah, just, just a matter of that. Oh, I thought it was very interesting though. And, you know, obviously the New Zealand, they've got a fantastic forward pack. They played well. Half time, Campbell Gillard and Jake Trevojevic, they'd combined for 72 metres. I was just sitting there going, all right, this is the set we'll put Tino on. This is the set we'll put Tino on. I did it for 55 minutes. I Yeah, I, I, I personally, I'd be looking at probably um, starting him next game. And when did that forward, that, that momentum through the middle shift? Definitely not the first half. No. I, I'd say from memory around about the 50-minute mark, which off the top of my head, nearly exactly when he came on. Yeah, 55th minute he came and on. And it turned for the whole rest of that second half. So, yeah, yeah it's only one player, but yeah. it's saying something, isn't it? I, 
I, I see where you, I absolutely see where you come from, and I don't know what the right answer is because you know you could be absolutely right. I personally think Mal, he understood that we need to outlast these guys. So keep the experience, Jake Tavoy, which mm-hmm. that on as long as we can to take the brunt of that massive forward pack that's just almost impossible, and then we bring on our young explosive players for that last thirty minutes or so to take the game away, and. Yeah, I, I don't know what the right answer is. Maybe if they come on earlier, they win by more or whatever. But I, I'm just trying to think, what would Mal's thinking be? And I think it's it's almost, I don't know what his rotation like was for Queensland, but it seems Queenslander-ish. Let's withstand this Blues pack that is supposed to be better than us, blah, blah, blah. Then we win the game in the last 20 minutes. Mm. Now, again, I don't have the data on that. Maybe it's total nonsense. But that seems the way that Mal kind of likes to coach, I guess. But it it. It could be total nonsense, and you guys could be absolutely right. Tino should be on the field for longer. It's uh, it's a really interesting topic. It's a really interesting topic. I'm and, not sure. And it was just like like yeah. I, I didn't really see anything throughout the group stages that made me think that was going to occur as well. Like it sort of came out of the blue. For, I don't mm. know. Maybe I've just slipped on it or missed something, but I didn't see that coming. I don't know if you're the same guru, but I feel a little bit dirty talking about Queenslanders and saying they should be getting more minutes than our, <laughs> than our, uh, than our Blues boys. But uh, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um. Because, I mean, when you look at it, uh, Jake Dubrovich, 23 tackles, zero misses. Regan Campbell-Gillard, 21 tackles, only one miss. Pretty good for you, both your front rowers. Um, actually, I'll just check the New Zealand ones to see what their front rowers were like uh, in regards to defence. <coughs> yeah, so New Zealand front rowers, James Fisher-Harris, 28 tackles, six misses. Jesse Bromwich, 14 tackles, zero misses. Um and so I, I think that may be where Mal was leaning is like mm. the fact that we want our front rowers to be missing, you know, low amount of tackles. And look, to be fair though, when you look at Fisharis's attack, you go, well, that kind of balances out the fact that he missed that many tackles. Like his attack was fucking outstanding. Um, outside of that, Isaiah, Yo, once again, just gets through so much fuck. He's just so durable. And he, this is Isaiah, like we're not even talking about Isaiah, Yo, guys. We're not even talking about him. This is his stats. 185 metres, 42 tackles, and zero misses. Jeez. Like, we, and we're not even talking about him. Like, no one's even going, oh, Isaiah Yo was one of the best players on the field. Like, this is the, the, the level that he delivers week in, week out is outstanding. I will say, though, that I'm just, I'm a little bit surprised that that Cleary Yo hasn't really clicked the way we thought it would. And, and again, I, I think it's because. They need more game time with with different players. I, I just, for the life of me, I can't understand why we didn't give these guys more time to play together. Because I don't know about you guys, but I, like I obviously I think Australia will win the grand final, and if Samoa do, fucking incredible. Never count them out. We've learned that now. Never count Samoa out, literally. But are we convinced that this is the most cohesive they could possibly be right now, guys? The yes, no, maybe. Australia, that is. I'm not. I stand by it from last week, and people might say we're being stubborn or whatever. But I mean, mate, all you have to do is, is look at the stats of Nathan Cleary. He ran. He ran for what did he run for? Two hundred and what did he run? One hundred fifty-eight meters. One hundred seventy-four meters. One hundred seventy-four meters. Like, and that's simply because when it like it's to Nate's credit, I know people want to bag him for his run meters because he runs too much, but. He ran every time there wasn't something on. That's the beauty of what Nath does. If the guy outside him isn't in a better position, he'll take it himself. And he constantly had to do that because this Kangaroos team is just out of whack. If you you look at our spine there and you've got Tedesco, Cleary, Munster and Hugh slash Harry Grant, four absolute superstars, 
and they all had, you know, I think by their standards, pretty quiet games. Was there a standout moment for any of them where you were like, yep, yeah, shit, that's what you come to expect? Every one of them. And that comes back to Kempi. We spoke about it a lot last week, but, you know, time on ground together and they haven't had enough of it. Yeah, yeah. And look, and, and people that, you know, Cleary is the big superstar, so everyone wants to, but he still had 609 kicking metres. He had two line break assists, five tackle breaks. So it's like he's still in, like, it's not, we're not seeing the normal Cleary that just tears teams apart. But for people saying, oh, it was terrible, this, that, and the next thing, it's like, fuck. He changed his game plan mid game. He said 609 kicking meters, and that is, that's 100 more meters than Jerome Hughes had, you know. So, and Jerome Hughes is arguably the second best seven in the competition. Um, and so, I think that, that you would have to, if I'm being honest, I think Australia are strong favourites going against Samoa. Uh, my concern for Samoa is, is like, was that their grand final? Not, not they didn't think it was their grand final, but emotionally, when all that just comes out of you, how do you get back up the next week after you've just made history? Now, again, never count Samoa out. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it has to be noted that that adrenaline and chemical dump and physicality of the last two games they've played, meanwhile, Australia haven't played anywhere near as good as they can play. I would say Australia are probably strong favourites. Um, but, yeah, in regards to the, the Aussies, at the end of the day, they're doing their job. They're doing their winning games and they're in the, the World Cup final. So <laughs> you, you, you're kill to give them credit where credit's due. Um, it's, I think that the fact that they've gotten through this big match where New Zealand are the perfect side to unsettle you because they're so big and aggressive, I think we're going to see a much better, much more clinical, much more gelled side in the in the grand final. Um, I just wish that we had have seen that this gelled side maybe a week or two earlier, in my opinion. Uh, any other thoughts on Australia, boys? Uh, just one that's probably a little bit more random. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, though. You just mentioned that, and I'm surprised too, that Isaiah Yeo and Nathan Cleary, they haven't had as much impact as I anticipated that they would. Are we at all worried about Penrith next year without Appy? I think it puts a lot more pressure on these two, or do we just think that they're going to go back to their Penrith system and everything will be as per usual? Well, look, if Sonny Luke can fix... Like he's def- not fixed, but just slightly improve his defense. He's quite a small player. I think they'll be fine because him in attack, he is fucking silky. He's silky in attack. Um, but it's it's a question because at the end of the day, we've spoken about it ad nauseum. When did the tides turn for Penrith? It was Happy Coruscant. It was Happy Coruscant. And so it is going to be interesting to see how they handle that. I think they'll be fine. I think that their systems are so strong. I also think that. They're, they're in such a strong position right now. If they struggle next year, they'll be able to recruit essentially whoever they want that's off contract in regards to the nine position. And also you've got Mitch Kenny there that he played – how many minutes did he play the grand final? Substantial minutes. What, 30 minutes or so? Yeah. Um, and so maybe he mixes it with Sonny Luke and maybe that's what Ivan Cleary's been doing is preparing for life after mm-hmm. Appy and that's why we saw him you know, move to the bench. Um, now, on to New Zealand. Um, so – uh, I, I know it's disappointing. Like, it's going to be devastating for Kiwis fans, but I don't think you should be disappointed at all. Like, I really don't. I think you proved that the gap between Australia and New Zealand is fucking minimal. Like, it is tiny. It is it is a ball play here. It is a knock-on. It is a, it's a, a lacking off in defense for one second. It's a call. It is... So small and getting smaller by the day. 
Dylan Brown, Jerome Hughes both proved that, you know, although we, we sit here and we rant and we rave about Munster and, and, and Cleary at club level, I think Hughes and Dylan Brown proved that, hey, it is not a foregone conclusion that on a day they can't be the best halves in the competition together. I think they're outstanding. I think Dylan Brown, especially in this first half, was outstanding, exciting times for New Zealand with Jerome Hughes and, and uh, Dylan Brown. You know, Hughes is, what, probably 26, 27. Dylan Brown, he's about 22. Really, really exciting times. Um, Joey Manu, I thought he was incredible in the first half. I thought he picked his times much better this this um, this game, whereas I felt last game, as we discussed, I thought it was a, you know maybe a little bit um, too much. But I thought this game he picked his moments perfectly. Um, you know, it's yeah. Look, it's 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 hard to speak negatively about New Zealand because at the end of the day, Australia is Australia. You know, like they they are the top tier nation, although we're ranked fourth, which is ridiculous, but whatever. Uh, outside of that, Tarpani was good. I love Nelson, Asafa Solomona back in the middle, absolutely fucking rampaging through us. Uh, what did you guys think about New Zealand? Just on the Joey Amano, we obviously spoke about him last week. I thought he found an incredible balance the other day. I mean, for the first time during this World Cup, it felt like Jerome Hughes and Dylan Brown were controlling this side. And it just felt like he was just playing his role really well. Then I got to the end of the game and I checked the stats. He still ran for 300. <laughs> like, he's an absolute freak. But he at no point did I feel like it was Joey Manu ball like it has been for the last few weeks. So credit to him. I thought that was sensational. I thought that, and you sort of alluded to it before, Timmy, that they sort of they went into their shell a little bit in the second half. I thought there was a it's about a six-minute period in between the 50th and the 60th minute. There was Peter Hicko. He he shot up uh, in defence at one point, gave away a penalty. It was, it was a tough one, to be fair. He was just coming – he was down in their end just trying to put pressure on. There was that penalty. Then they had the penalty the next set on last tackle where Brandon Smith tackled Isaiah Yo. They got the penalty there, and Cam Murray scored that try. As soon as Cam Murray scored that try – they brought Tino on the field. And then from, from that little 10-minute period, as much as the score was close, I sort of felt like New Zealand were going after that point. It was just just a two- or three-minute little domino effect. Like, fuck, you've got to feel for cheese on that play, don't uh, you? Like, if you go back and watch two sets before, he was exhausted. He was out on his feet. He still made a try-saving tackle on the play before. And then and it just shows, in, you know, I was going to say in the NRL, in rugby league, whatever it is, if you are just half a yard off, it might as well be a mile when you've got a guy like Cam Murray running at you. You just saw his eyes light yeah. up, didn't you? And of, just, yeah, of all players. Yeah. I just don't know why they played him for so many minutes. Yep. I just – it that that to me was a wrong call. Um, I just he, – he can't. He's too, he's too explosive. I, I really feel you want to give Brandon Smith, you know, 25 minutes off the bat or even 30. You bring him off. And then maybe the last twenty minutes of a game. I just don't know why. Um, yeah, I just don't know why you would give him that many minutes. He's just—he's too valuable to give that many minutes to. You want him every run he takes, every tackle he makes, fresh. Essentially, yeah. Of course, he's going to gas a little bit, but I do think that that was a little bit of a, a tough on on Brandon. Like, obviously, it was still him that missed that or whatever. But I just think he probably wasn't utilized correctly. And look, maybe. If I'm remembering incorrectly, do you do you know when he came on and off? I felt like he was playing quite long minutes. He play, ended up playing 62 minutes, but I, to my understanding, that was just the last 20. If, if I'm incorrect, last 18. 
Um, he, he went off just after Cam Murray scored that try, which yeah. was fifty second minute. So about fifty five. Then he must have come back for the yeah. last. Couple he of he played the first fifty six minutes straight, Kempi, which yeah. I, I think is just and I, like if you have a look in that fifty six minute, he pretty much takes himself off. Yeah, he's just like, mate, I'm fucking done. And and right. we chatted a bit about it last week about how I think it was a clear ploy from Madge Maguire to get big minutes into him from the start of the tournament. So when all these stars inside were rested and whether that be mid-game or missing games or whatever, Cheese played all five games, minutes, 71, 80, 80, 64, and then 62 uh, against Australia in the weekend where, as you said, he basically pulled himself off. So the ploy was there that they wanted big minutes in him despite having Jeremy Marshall King, who's obviously was outstanding this season, show that they... Hindsight's a great thing. We mm. know that. But probably could have gone this sort of dual-hooking rotation. They ended up going with Foz there on the bench anyway. But I think they wanted bigger minutes out of Cheese, which he couldn't handle it. And, again, no knock on him. Like, Kempi, you going about over and over again with Cheese. How, at the moment, he's built like a lock and he's, you know, he's shedding a little bit to get back down to sort of a hooker size to play big minutes. But, um, unfortunately, it became a really telling part of the game. And, you know, if we, if we sat here and patted everyone on the back, there'd be about three people listening to this podcast. But it, it was a the big turning point of the game because he couldn't get off his line because he was so gassed. So I said, hindsight's a great thing, but he just – it didn't pay off that one, did it? Tell you what, if well, you're a Roosters well, fan, you must be excited. Brandon Smith arriving to you after that happening to him. Like, mm. he's, well, he's well, going to be ready to go next year. Well, look at this. This is Australia. So you've got Harry Grant and Ben Hunt. So Ben Hunt, origin hooker, rah-rah, experienced player. He played 45 minutes. Harry Grant played 35 minutes. Why is Brandon Smith playing 62 minutes when Ben Hunt and Harry Grant are playing those minutes? When, if you were to select a side, Ben Hunt and, and Harry Grant would probably get selected before him. I, I personally think that it was, again, it was his error for sure, but I think it was unfair on uh, Brandon Smith to expect an explosive hooker. This is not Cameron Smith we're talking about. This is not you know, a wily hooker that just knows how to get through certain areas of the field. We're talking about literally, literally one of the most explosive hookers we've ever seen play the game. I'd argue he could go toe-to-toe explosive-wise with any hooker that's ever played the game. I think it was an error to leave him on that long. Even though I'm not saying that it wasn't his fault, you make your tackles rah-rah, I just think it was an error, especially when you look at the Australian side and Harry Grant's getting 35 minutes. You're going, what? Like, and I, and I think craziness. I think can be when in all these other games where Madge was getting the big minutes into him, going, "All right, you've played eighty, you've played seventy, you've gotten through it fine." Well, you know, when there's seventy points on the board, you're getting stoppages all over the time. You, you know, you're cruising, you're not doing too much work in D. It's pretty easy, uh, and that probably masked a little bit the fact that he wasn't getting through, he was getting through that easy. But when you pin him up against a, the fast pace of a semi-final with Australia. You know, it was just never real. It wasn't realistic, was it? And just to reinforce Kempi's point as well, Ben Hunt did his forty-five minutes in two stints. They used three yeah. interchanges yeah. on their two hookers. Yeah, it's just it's too, the game is too fast to expect an explosive hooker. So I'm not even saying in hindsight. Like I even think going into this tournament, I would never expect Brendan Smith to play those long minutes. Like it's just. I just don't think it's good. In today's game where the ruck is so quick, you just, unless you've got, as I said, unless you've got Cairns with the goat, you need someone to come in and split those times up so that they can stay up with the, the, the um, speed of the play the ball. Um, so, yeah, look, it is what it is. Brandon Smith 
we all know he's going to be back and back in a big fucking way, big, big way. Uh, we've seen what he can do. He's a premiership winner. He is going to be electric. And, and what's, what's perfect about this is guess who's sitting on the bench waiting for Brandon Smith to give him a break? Connor Watson. You know, like <laughs> this, this duo is going to be fucking phenomenal. Um, now, a few other players. Isaiah Papali'i, once again, fuck, just gets through so much work. Like, he's just relentless. He is just relentless. Uh, Tarpanet, once again, proving his class. This is what Tarpanet did. 143 metres, 36 tackles, zero misses, four offloads. Four offloads. The most of any forward on the field. Um, you know, he's just... He's getting to the territory where you almost go, did the Raiders get a bloody bargain? Did they get a bargain <laughs> with this guy? And I know he's on Bitcoin, but this year for him has been absolutely phenomenal. He just went against the Australian team forward pack and, and was arguably the best, one of the best forwards on the field, if some would consider him the best forward on the field. Uh, and he was doing it at 13. He wasn't even playing front row like he does at club. He's incredible. Um, Mulatalo, fuck, he's, he's slowly creeping up into that top tier of winger for me. Like, he's just so, so silky. He's just quicker than you give him credit for. He makes big plays usually when you need him to. Um, you know, once again, 128 meters. He had two line breaks, uh, four tackle breaks, uh, an offload. He, he's something special, Mulatalo. I really like him. And he only played 60 minutes. He went off injured as well. Yeah. Yep. And we go back to the game before, although he had that one error, outside of that, he was incredible against Fiji. Yeah. Um, I thought um, Dylan Brown was really good too, Kempi. I mean, if I'm Parramatta fans, like I know they've lost Reed and guys, but fuck, I'm so excited about how he's coming on. I thought he was really good in this game. We I spoke before about, you know, everyone said, oh, Nathan Cleary, he, he's run too much, blah, blah, blah. Till Brown had... 26 runs for 180 metres, pretty much the same. No one said a thing about it. Yeah, because, mm. like, oh, I, I love everything about Dill Brown. I really like the way he's coming on for Parramatta, and I, I hope that he can come back next year and be as good. He made, what did he make? 24 tackles in this one, missed one against the Kangaroos. Jeez. Yeah. And, like, we're talking about the Kangaroos with the craziest edges you can find. Like, the edges of the Kangaroos is a joke, like an actual joke. Um, so... As I said, it's very disappointing for the Kiwis. I know some people feel like they didn't get some calls. Personally, I thought the refing was quite even in the sense that there were some Australian calls we didn't get. There were some Kiwi calls they didn't get. Um, there were some people even complaining about the uh, Rapana offside. I was like, he was clearly offside. Like, he was clearly offside. I don't understand that. Um, I mean, even I think even the commentators were saying, Oh, was he, you know, was he on? You know, it was bizarre. Like he was 100% anyway. Um, I, I think that New Zealand have a lot to be proud of. And put it this way, and take nothing away from the other team, if they're on the other side of the, the, the comp, I think they make the grand final. Mm. Um, and again, that's not to be disrespectful to anyone. And, and that's just an opinion. That's not a fact. Like maybe Samoa will come out and fucking blitz them. Who, who knows? But I just think that. They have. They do not need to hang their heads in shame at all. I think they're building something really fucking special. And put it this way: if we get into the next World Cup and they're not at least like essentially as good as Australia, I'll be on paper. I'll be surprised. I will honestly be surprised. Yeah, one more Kempi that I forgot to add, and you'll be very surprised to hear that it's a it's a Canberra Raider. But Jordan Rapana, uh, he had a wonderful World Cup, and 
that line break he made with five ten to go, wherever it was, where he found Chans. Like, had they scored off that and won the game against the Aussies, would have gone down. Like, I don't, I can't remember who he burst through, but it would have gone down as one of the all-time plays to bust the line off. Was it a kick return or a scoot or something? It was unbelievable. It was a kick return, and it was off the back of a couple of pretty poor mistakes mm. from Rapana. But that's Rapana. Oh, he, he can make yeah. mistakes, but it doesn't rattle him. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't remember his last mistake. He's just ready that. to make a difference the next time. Like it's unreal. A, like a goldfish. He forgot what yeah. happened before, but <laughs> onwards to the future. And uh, the other thing with Rapa, got to give him credit for his goal kicking because we were all very critical, myself uh, included, with his, uh, I think it was after the quarterfinal, had a bit of a stinker saying, you know, such a concern for them going forward. But he nailed in the semi final against Fiji uh, a Really difficult kick from the sideline with a bit of rain around, and that ended up being pretty pivotal. They were up 20 to 18 at one point. Uh, kicked three from three in the semi uh, against Australia, and just, he delivered. And I, I didn't think he had that goal-kicking ability in him, but uh, Mad showed faith in him, and we were sort of sitting there thinking, oh, could they have picked someone else, but hit him really well by the end of the tournament. Yeah, I, I know that we don't, I know that people get very upset with the, the ifs that we throw out sometimes, but if that Jerome Hughes grubber, is just a couple of centimetres in. Kiwis, they're, they're in a World Cup final all of a sudden, and the story's very... I know we don't like ifs and it didn't happen, I get it, but they weren't far off, mate. Well, it's just... It's an example of, like, you know, you get you get so caught up in the devastation of a loss, you forget how close you were to, you know, how minimal changes can change everything. I think even Michael Maguire said after the game, you know what we do know now is is that gap between us and Australia is absolutely closing. Uh, exciting times, such exciting times for uh, Australia. Did you uh, hear I mean, what um, New Zealand? Did you hear what Brian Fletcher said in the commentary after it? They, they showed Madge and he was really upset and everything. And Fletcher goes, "He's just realised he has to go and join Ricky Stewart down in Canberra now." <laughs> <laughs> Brian Fletcher's the best. Fuck, I love him. He's so good. Um, yeah. So look, Kiwis. Obviously disappointing. There's no denying that. But it, what a game of footy. What a fucking game. Of, like two points, two points. Um, so I don't think they need to be disappointed at all. I don't think they need to change much. I think Michael Maguire is doing a really good job with them. Um, he seems to – they seem to – it feels like – and I understand the last few years of Michael Maguire's career at Rabbitohs wasn't the best. But he seems to be a coach that needs to work with elite – like I'm not saying the Tigers aren't elite players – the tippity top, they seem to respond to him quite well um, because I think he's doing a great job with New Zealand. They, they seem connected. They seem happy. They seem super aggressive when they play, um, energetic, fit, all of those things. I understand they train with their clubs all year, but this was a high-quality performance by New Zealand. Like, Let's not get it twisted. I, they, were, they dominated a lot of the game, and it just took some special plays from the game's literal biggest superstars to turn it around for us because like New Zealand completed at 88%, 88%. Like you can't give yourself much better of an opportunity to win the game than that. The only difference is, is again, as I said, is just the fact that we have these guys that are the, at the tippity, tippity top in key positions of the NRL. That's that, that was really the, the only difference. And the thing is, is Jerome Hughes and, and Dylan Brown and Joey Marnie, for example, they're moving towards that top. They're just they're, they're moving towards it. So, who knows where that where this ends? So, don't hang your head at all. I think uh, Kiwi fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now. Hey, just, just, just before we move on, sorry, Ken, I was just going to say, like, we've obviously spoken about it the last few years about how tough it's been for the New Zealand Warriors and, you know, obviously recruitment's been tough and everything. I mean, you ever look through this Kiwi side, there's 18 players that were named the other day, not a single one of them from the New Zealand Warriors, which is just crazy. It just shows, once again, the tough situation they're in, doesn't it? They're, produ- they're producing the talent. They're, they're producing the talent, but them. they just can't keep them there at the moment. In the last few years, it's just made it even harder to think that the Kiwis lose to the Kangaroos by two and there isn't a single New Zealand Warrior in that side. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, I brought this up earlier in the year, boys. Um, I personally think, and you know, I know that it's very easy for me to sp- spend other people's money but I think the NRL are crazy not to invest more in the New Zealand juniors staying in New Zealand. If we want the game to grow, we need New Zealand Warriors to be strong. We need to incentivize these young fellows to stay in New Zealand uh, because there is no denying that the talent that they're producing is fucking amazing. And if you could even put, like, back, you know, yesteryear, if I, you know, maybe I'm, I'm getting my numbers wrong, but I feel like yesteryear, you'd have at least six or seven Warriors in that side. To say that you've got no worries in that side, it's. I understand the last couple of years it's been, you know, with everything going on in regards to lockdowns, rah, rah, but we need to find a way to give the Warriors more money so that they can say to these younger players, yes, there may be more opportunity in Australia or, or whatever, but we have the best young system in the competition. We need to replicate what Penrith did. Because, like, think about it. A lot of those Penrith players are young Polynesian players. What does New Zealand have? Like abundance of yep. young Polynesian players, um, so yeah. Look, we've spoken about this before. I, I, I think it's crazy we don't try and help Warriors out in, in keeping the youth there. And uh, I've got to follow my four, on my sword. Sorry, Chance. He's the only New Zealand Warrior who's going back there. No. But still, well, one out of eight. Technically, he's not. He's not. Well, yeah, yeah, technically, yeah. yeah. But it can be. I could already um, read the comments. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. It's of course. like it's like leaving uh, the Melbourne Storm, mate. You don't succeed elsewhere, just like the Raiders. You leave us. <laughs> you put a nail through your groove. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Acast and Befeller. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidesrætter alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.